freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. We're doing a series called American, talking about can-do spirit that is part of our American DNA. Absolutely. Our lives have been turned upside down lately. And we've just been told because of this coronavirus, this COVID-19, all the things we can't do and all the places we can't go. Well, talking with our experts, we are going to learn all of the ways that we still can grow and learn, train and connect and expand our freedoms in ways that maybe we haven't even thought about before. And our guest today is Miss Nikki Gozer. Nikki is a survivor of a deadly crime in a gun-free zone where she lost her husband at the hands of her stalker. Nikki is the author of Stalked and Defenseless, How Gun Control Helped My Stalker Murder My Husband in Front of Me. Welcome to the show, Nikki. And holy cow, can't wait to dive into this. Hey there, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's good to see you. Absolutely. So we're friends. We go way back. We uh, are involved in, together in the DC project. And so, you know, it's so hard because we're excited to see each other, right? It's like we haven't right. seen each other in months and our next trip is canceled to, to be able to see each other. And and then like, oh, but we've got to talk about this, the worst moments ever of your life. And so that's, yeah. that's a, a weird uh, place to be in. But I think that it it is so important for people to understand your story, your personal journey that, that you went through um, that, that we need to dive in. Do you agree? Yes. All right. So Nikki, you've experienced firsthand how perhaps well-meaning people have voted in laws like these gun-free zones, I do an air quote, that helped not you, not your husband, but rather the man who stalked you relentlessly and ultimately murdered your husband. And I always hate to ask you to go back to that, those worst moments of your life and recount those horrible events, but to help our audience understand how evil takes advantage of our common sense laws, please walk us through the events that ended in your husband, husband being murdered right before your eyes. Yeah, my experience is definitely proof that there are real unintended consequences to some of these gun control laws. Um, my husband, Benjamin, was shot and killed right in front of me by a man who was stalking me. And this happened in a restaurant in Tennessee. Um, at the time, back in 2009, the law said that even if you had your handgun carry permit, 
you could not carry your legal permitted firearm into any restaurant if they also served any alcohol. So I followed the law. I left my gun that I normally carried for self-defense because I, I have a permit to carry. I left it locked inside of my vehicle. I followed the law. Of course, the man who was stalking me did not have a permit to carry, brought a gun in illegally into the middle of the restaurant in the middle of a gun-free zone and shot my husband seven times right in front of me and everyone in the middle of that restaurant. And I'll, I tell people I'll probably wonder for the rest of my life if I could have prevented that. Of course, I'll never know because I was denied a chance. I was stalked and defenseless. Um, so I have tried to educate people as best I can about the real dangers of gun-free zones and how they really only affect law-abiding people. You have to stop and ask yourself, who's most likely to follow the law? It's the good law-abiding people, people that are bent on murder and harming others. I think it's an open invitation for them. It makes it easier for them to carry out their evil plan. Absolutely. And, you know, it seems so like common sense to us, but then there's this other side of the uh, equation, the pro-rights versus anti-rights, that they've hijacked really the words common sense. And so it even feels like it's harder for us to get our point across that, you know, when you pass a law, the only people that care are the people that care. <laughs> so, and someone who was as far or still is as far off the mark of caring about how he affects other people's lives, like a stalker and a murderer. Mm -hmm. They just continue about their life to do whatever it is suits them. So something to keep in mind. And so you have used that tragedy to fuel your activism and your advocacy, and you continue that even through today what did you do at that time in the state of, uh, this happened in Tennessee, I believe, um, yes. to begin to make that a safer place for citizens? Um, well, almost immediately, I realized I need to speak out. I need to try to do something to get this law changed so that good law-abiding people have at least a chance to protect themselves and their loved ones. So I reached out to the sponsor at the time of the restaurant carry bill in the Tennessee House of Representatives. And he basically had me come to the Capitol and sit on the Senate or sit on the, on the floor. Um, and I tell you, it was a surreal experience for me. I had never been to the Capitol before. It was a little bit intimidating, but um, it ended up, it ended up passing and the law has now changed in Tennessee. As long as you've got your permit to carry, that means you have passed your background check, you've had your fingerprints taken, you've taken your state certified training, you are not a prohibited person. And as long as you are not drinking any alcohol, then you can carry um, into restaurants that, that serve alcohol. Now they're still allowed um, to post a no guns allowed sign if the owner chooses to, but at least it's no longer state law. At least people have a choice now. So, um, you know, that law has ultimately changed and I'm just so glad that good people at least have the ability 
to protect themselves in more places now. So true. And it, it wasn't going to happen on its own, right? Uh, it, it feels like if we, if you're going to do nothing, it's not like laws get better and freedom gets more free. It definitely moves in the other direction. So uh, I so applaud that you uh, were that one person to make that difference. Well, I don't know that I can take, you know, full responsibility for that, but I can say that I certainly um, tried and I think it really takes people speaking up. You know, I'm sure no one expected a victim of a horrific crime like this where a gun was involved to actually support gun rights. I think a lot of people go through something like this and they automatically become anti-gun. And I never not once blamed the gun. I blamed the murderer and I blamed those who legislated me out of my right to protect my husband and I. And you know, I'll always feel that way. Um, I don't think that guns are evil. I think that people can be evil mm -hmm. and guns are used every single day to save innocent lives. But unfortunately, the media fails to really give a, a balanced view on positive uses of guns to protect innocent lives. Absolutely. How could, how could somebody from the media hear your story and think negative? of, you know, you know, that we shouldn't be allowed to have guns. I mean, how twisted are they? There are some people who honestly believe that guns are evil. They hate guns. They don't want anyone because they hate guns. Mm -hmm. They don't want anyone to be able to own a gun because they fear guns. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's wrong. Gun, guns in, in good people's hands can help save innocent lives. They do every day. And, um, you know, yeah, it was horrific what I went through. It, it was awful. It was almost, well, it's been over 11 years now. But I still carry a gun to this day. Um, you know, I want more people to be able to carry in more places. And I'm tired of, of seeing victims. I'm tired of hearing these stories where these people are are harmed or, or murdered and they had no real way to protect themselves. And so many of these things happen in gun-free zones where the bad guy knows nobody can protect themselves here. Exactly. And the media blasts uh, people that use guns bad, but they never say, hey, this man stopped somebody from a, a crime or a violent crime. They never oh, talk about that. Rarely, for sure. So it's definitely one we'll say I will say this. I, I work for the Crime Prevention Research Center, and um, we do try to, you know, gather research stories from across the nation on true self-defense, justifiable use of force, and we put these stories on our website so that people will be able to see that there are stories out there where good people are able to to save innocent people using a gun, that guns are not evil. Exactly. And um, even besides that, you know, people that want to um, eat clean, you know, guns are used for hunting as well. And uh, that's an important topic, especially right now when we're in the middle of this COVID-19 thing and we're hearing some people say there might be meat shortages coming up. Uh, food shortages coming up. 
So people that maybe never before even envisioned themselves going out and hunting and foraging and, and harvesting their own food, they might have a, a second thought there as well. Yeah. So um, you and I, as I mentioned earlier, we are both delegates of the DC Project, and that is a grassroots effort of women from all across the United States to help spread the message of education, not legislation. So as we, what we do is we go to the Capitol uh, once a year, and we make appointments with legislators, and we sit down in their office, and we just form relationships and we try to give ourselves up to them as a, a, a resource for information and how to speak intelligently about guns and just to know the American gun owner as something beyond a caricature of, you know, an old dude with a beard and wearing camo. And so as you have gone into these offices and you have shared your story with these legislators, what, how do they receive you? What kind of reactions have you gotten? You know, you'd be surprised how many elected officials need to be educated on this on this particular topic. Um, you would assume because they're elected officials that they're completely knowledgeable, and some of them are, but some of them aren't, and they'll readily admit that. And um, I think after I speak with them, it's with some of them, it's almost like a light bulb goes off. You know, they didn't think of how this law could do this or do that or how it could indirectly or directly impact um, someone. And I think it, it really takes making them think outside the box and think of, well, what about this? You know, th this can happen or that can happen. And, um, you know, so many times people say, well, this could happen or that could happen, but they never see the face of the person. They never get to meet the person. And I think it's important that, you know, people that have been through horrible things um, that have a story to tell are, are there to help try and show them the face of, you know, I hate the word victim, but, you know, I have to use it sometimes. I prefer survivor, but um, there are a lot of victims out there. There are a lot of survivors out there that want to be heard and they want to help educate people so that you know, we have the ability to protect ourselves. And sometimes more legislation is not the answer. It really isn't. Education is the answer. Absolutely. Understanding better who we are as, as American gun owners, moms, daughters, wives, husbands, brothers, right? Dads, grandpas, and a better understanding of our founding documents, uh, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Um, yes. You know, we've been doing the show for several years now, and We've met a lot of people that were victims, and it's really sad because they didn't like a lot of them didn't like firearms prior to their their uh, whatever happened to them, mm -hmm. and then after they became victims, then they decided that now I need to have a firearm, and it's just too bad that we can't educate people ahead of that time, then they would not be a victim all the time. Mm. So right. That is so yeah, true. And, and, you know, owning a gun is no absolute guarantee. You know, no, I, I don't feel like I have superpowers suddenly because I carry a gun every day. Mm -hmm. But at least it gives me a fighting chance. Exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people that firmly believes that uh, you should get training. 
and not just take one class. Keep taking classes, you know, keep learning, keep educating yourself, keep practicing. Um, you know, uh, I've taken training over at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute in Nevada, and it's outstanding training. It's amazing. And I'm going to go back because right. I think it's important um, to stay current on your training. And, and um, you know, I don't, I certainly don't want to harm, you know, an innocent person. I don't want to accidentally, you know, harm someone trying to stop a bad guy. So I, I think that it is important to get, to get training. Right. And it's not just about the firearm training, but it's also awareness training of your surroundings. They teach yeah. you all these things that can make you not a victim and not even have to use a firearm. It's just right. you know, situational it, awareness right. is very important. Right. Because a stalker can looks for you to be weak. They, they try to find out where you're going to be. Maybe it's carrying two bags of groceries or maybe it's handling your baby and trying to put them in the car seat. They look for these things. So if we're aware of what they're looking for, it will help you not be a victim. So it's not just about the firearm. Absolutely. Just like your stalker waited and knew exactly you as a law-abiding citizen, as you walked into this establishment that you walked into, that you were going to follow the law and that he was going to have the advantage because he wasn't following the law. So same exact thing. Um, so in this series that, that we're conducting right now uh, with the American, right, what can people do right now? What would your advice be to them that while we're living in this quarantine life, um, how can we do things, whether it's reaching out to legislators, whether it's reading more about our constitution, what can we do that will make our cities and our states safer and more free for themselves and their neighbors? Well, I think definitely while you're sitting around at home, uh, make sure you are registered to vote. Mm. If you are not 100% sure, you need to be sure. Register to vote, and then you need to vote, and you need to research the candidates in your area and make sure that they're aligned with your own personal beliefs. Um, I'll tell you, one person, and he's not even my member of Congress, okay? I like my member of Congress, but um, this gentleman... Um, is Congressman Thomas Massey. Um, I went and donated to his political campaign because I truly believe in what he stands for. I think that his presence in Congress is very important. He is the um, chairman of the Second Amendment Caucus. Um, he's in Northern Kentucky and he's just an outstanding uh, member of Congress. And so I donated to his political campaign because I believe in him and what he stands for. So if there's, you know, a candidate that you believe in and you like what they're saying and what they're doing, you know, maybe consider donating if you've got the money to do so. And it doesn't have to be a lot, just, you know, make a donation. I think that's important. But, um, you know, we can't help everyone in this quarantine, but everyone can help someone. So take, for instance, my mom, she's 76 years old. She's in the high risk category. Um, she doesn't really need to be out and about in crowds or shopping. So I, I check on her. She lives right around the corner from me and I do her shopping for her. You know, I've got another friend that I'm helping uh, take care of. So I think that it's important that we just make a difference in someone's life right now. 
Absolutely. I think that is so well said. So well said. I just want to add to the voting thing. So just because they're a Republican or Democrat Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that that gets their vote. You Mm -hmm. need to research and make sure that the, you know, I myself personally look for pro-rights, you know, that's what I look for. And it could possibly be a Democrat in there somewhere that believes in our rights or second amendment. So you do have to do research. Don't just vote for them because they're a Republican or Democrat. That's the the truth. So um, just kind of circling back around to this man who just completely disregarded everything that that the rest of us stand for, um, Mm -hmm. your stalker, what is the status of of him, if of your legal case, I mean, because a lot of times people think, oh, well, he either you know perished somehow or he's in jail, and so okay, end of story, on with life, right? And that's not um, necessarily the case. He is in prison. Uh, he was sentenced to twenty three years at one hundred percent with no parole. Uh, however, I have since recently learned that he has been allowed to earn early release good behavior credits and he has already earned the maximum, which is three and a half years. He'll be released early. But I've also recently learned that he's still stalking me. He's just doing it from prison. Now what he does is he sends these twisted love letters to me. He -hmm. sends them to my former attorney that I used for my wrongful death suit against him. Of course he's indigent, so I get nothing. Mm -hmm. But, um, since I learned this, I hired an attorney. I, I've spoken with the sheriff's office. We've talked with the prison warden, sent you know, information on what he's doing. Um, we've tried to um, contact the U.S. attorney's office. We've talked to the U.S. postal inspector's office because this is a federal crime. He's using the U.S. postal service to stalk and harass a victim mm-hmm. from prison. Um, as far as right now, the case is basically on hold because of COVID-19, but I'm hoping that very soon authorities will pick this up and take this seriously because it's not just about me. Mm-hmm. There are other victims out there, women who've been stalked. Um, you know, not that men aren't stalked, they are, but you know, there's so many victims out there that need help. And, um, you know, I think people need to take this seriously because this is a very, very dangerous man. Absolutely. And it just boggles my mind that a crime, multiple crimes like he committed, stacks up to 23 years. It it was a life sentence. It was a death sentence for your husband. And it's a life sentence for you because you have to live with the loss of all that you were going to have in your life. And that's 23 years for him and now shortened because, you know, narcissists are really good at playing the system. They're really good at it. And so if all he has to do is, okay, show me what I have to do for good behavior. I can do that. Right. And, and he's hoping he's going to get out early, not in any way reformed, apparently, if he's still stalking you. Um, So what does that mean for you? Your life sentence continues. I probably shouldn't say this, but there's probably a lot of people out there that would like to stalk a stalker. If he gets released, (laughs) let us know. I mean, I'm sorry, but this, this, that's not justice. Yeah, it's not justice not. because you still live in fear that he could get, he's going to get out. Mm-hmm. And 
that's that's terrible. I'm so sorry to hear what yeah. you're having to go through. He he is going to get out. His release date is October 21st, 2028. And I know for some people they think, oh, that's you know that's eight years away. Well, yeah, it's just eight years away for you, but. To me, you know, well, it's a good example. Years has gone by like that. Eight years is going to be here before I know it, and it's terrifying, uh, mm-hmm. and it's very frustrating um, right. when people don't take you seriously. You know, mm-hmm. I have told every one of the authorities. I've even talked to my member of Congress. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of somebody actually caring enough to say, you know what we're going to prosecute this guy and we're going to take his good behavior credits away because this is not good behavior. 11 years and he's still stalking you after what all that's happened means that eight years from now or whatever it is uh, for his release is no time at all. He spent 11 years in prison and he's still stalking you. He's not going to stop when this is over. Mm-mm. No, it's pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. It is scary. And then we're at a time during this COVID-19 that we're hearing that they are letting people that have committed various crimes out because they shouldn't be in close quarters and so on and so forth. So who knows if there's somebody else whose stalker is on that list or, or someone that is a true danger to them is on that list. Or if your stalker could get bumped up if this thing goes on for more months, we just have no idea, but it it just does seem like the law abiding, the good people are the ones that always have to pay the price and, and take the back seat to what bad people do. And I'm just, I admire what you have done to try to rectify what is possibly rectifiable. Um, so I, I really applaud you in your, your, your can-do spirit and your looking forward spirit. You are such an inspiration to so many. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Sometimes I wonder, I'm like, am I just talking about this stuff and nobody really is taking it in, but then I'll get like a phone call or an email and um, I know it's making a difference. So, you know, at least that's something. It is. And so you've, you've written a book. Do you have one to hold up for us? I do. Awesome. Stalked and defenseless. That is, uh, it, it's newly released mm-hmm. and um, it is, it's an incredible journey into what you have journeyed through. And I just really encourage folks to take the time. As, what are you doing anyway? Read a book, right? <laughs> right. And the audio book's coming out very soon. So that's good. You can listen to it. Are you the voice of the audio book? No, no. Hired a professional. Got a professional <laughs> to do that. Not me. I'm not a professional. <laughs> I love it. Um, and so I, I highly encourage people to uh, dig into that. There's also somewhere out there in the ethers, there's a, a documentary, I believe, of your story. Is that true too? Yes. It's on um, Investigation Discovery Channel. I believe they have an app now, but... Um, Let's see, this, this TV series is called Obsession, Dark Desires, and I think it's episode seven, I think. Gotcha. 
It's called, uh, the episode name is Serenade of a Stalker. And I tell you, that episode has reached millions, literally millions and millions of people. It's played in the U.S. and the U.K. And I still get emails to this day of people that um, end up watching it. And it really, it makes them think about their own safety and the safety of their loved ones. It really makes them think, you know, what they need to do to protect themselves because evil exists. You know, I don't want people to be paranoid. I tell people I, I just want them to be prepared because nobody ever thinks that something this horrific can happen, you know, but it can, mm -hmm. and you need to be prepared. Absolutely. Especially at a time right now where everybody is kind of, you know, we're under a different kind of pressure than we've ever been in our lives. And it could send some people over the edge um, to do things that they might not have done otherwise. And so those of us that are, we practice preparedness and we practice situational awareness and we practice self-defense, we need to sharpen our skills um, at the same time. But um, how do people purchase that awesome book and uh, follow you? And, and I heard you mention the Crime Prevention Research Center, you know, maybe follow the work that you, you're doing there too. Yeah, our website for the Crime Prevention Research Center is crimeresearch.org. And you can find my book, Stalked and Defenseless, on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble. Very good. We'll hold it up one more time. And uh, Miss Nikki, thank you so much for all that you do and uh, for taking the time to talk to us about it and writing that down. Uh, so that it does continue to educate and empower and encourage people uh, far into the future. So um, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks thank for you. having me on. Bye-bye. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye, Miss Nikki. Wow. All right. You know, I, I just don't understand how any leader of our nation can hear that story and go, we need to ban more guns. I mean, why don't... Why so don't, what they do, I think, maybe, they focus on, okay, this guy couldn't have shot her husband if he didn't have a gun, so let's get rid of all guns. And, like, they just have a very childlike, you know, singular view <clears throat> of it instead of realizing that, no, she owned a gun as well, and if she hadn't have been told, leave it outside then she might have, just the fact that he knew she didn't have it because she's law-abiding, if he didn't have that assurance whether she had it on her or not on her that night, that right there could have caused him <clears throat> to not act. Yeah, but then they say stuff like, okay, if she had had the gun, she may have shot an innocent bystander. And yes, that could happen. But if they use that as an example, there are hundreds of thousands of people that defend themselves with a gun that bystanders aren't getting shot. And if they are, they would be blowing it out on the news and they're not because it's not happening. So that's not going to work. So why can't we just kind of do like what Arizona does and let people be adults, let them be responsible. If you use a gun in a crime, then you should be charged hard with that crime. Mm -hmm. If you do something illegal, especially a violent crime, I am all for people that do violent crime with a firearm and it's, they use the firearm to do that violent crime should be severely punished. 
but I don't think that anybody that wants to protect themselves shouldn't have the right to be able to protect themselves. Period. Exactly. We have one life. One. One. That's we right. don't get and our kids. two overs. And, and think about what Nikki is going to be going, she's been going through for 11 years and what she's going to go through the rest of her life. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you to our awesome listeners. We value you. Your time is your most finite commodity and you spent it with us. And we just appreciate that more than words can say. Thank you for taking these conversations into your families, in, around your dinner tables, um, at some point when you have a carpool again, <laughs> talking about them it's in your carpool. Uh, but uh, I, I just, it, it, what we say here, it would matter to me and to Dan and to our guests, but it's you who really makes it matter in the long term and you continue to move the ideas that we're exploring here uh, into your circles, your spheres of influence. And we just thank you so much. And thank you so much to Nikki. My goodness, what a thing to go through and then to have to relive it through every interview. You know, it's like, ask me about, and she's, she's an amazing person as far as like self, um, you know, self care, that's the wrong word. Uh, but like, she can handle herself. She really can. But I mean, she, she cans food, she sews, she does, she hunts, like she does all these amazing things. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that's why we were having her on and talk about all the other amazing things in her life that no, we have to keep talking about the worst moments because that's how people learn from her story. So right. thank you, Nikki, for, for letting us go there with you again. Um, you're such a dear friend and, and we do love you. Um, until next time, pray for our nation. If we ever, ever, ever needed prayer, it is absolutely right now. Pray for the people that we have elected into leadership positions. How about that one? Is all that of better? them? All of them, Dan. Okay. I pray that all leaders of this country dear lord please make them see the story about nikki mm -hmm. and make them understand that every human being on this earth has a right to protect themselves and don't take that right away from them amen, amen. that's all of them even well, what's well her done. name what's one ice cream lady <laughs> what's her name we're not gonna huh? go there we've already Somewhere we've already roasted her what we've roasted her who what's um double prayer for her yeah and True. so, and not just our elected officials, leaders, but leaders, right? People who are not rulers, leaders. leaders, right? But not even in in the elected class. But you know, you and I are leaders in certain areas, and our daughter is a leader in certain areas, and her husband's a leader in certain areas. So, so yeah, pray for all of our leaders, even the ones you don't like, especially the ones you don't like. Yeah. I, I see the light today. Don't ask me this tomorrow, though. <laughs> All right. Be good to each other. Have a great week. And God bless. Bye.